0: Is it possible the two defendants entered the store, picked 22 specific items off of the shelves, had the clerk take money, make change, then leave? Then, two different men drive up in a similar... Don't shake your head, I'm not done yet. Wait till you hear the whole thing so you can understand this now. Two different men drive up in a similar-looking car, go in, shoot the clerk, rob him, and then leave? No.
1: They didn't have enough time.
0: Well, how much time was they in the store? Five minutes. Five minutes? Are you sure? Did you look at your watch? No. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You testified earlier that the boys went into the store and you had just begun to make breakfast. You were just ready to eat and you heard a gunshot. That's That's right. right. I'm sorry. So obviously it takes you five minutes to make breakfast. That's right. Right. So you knew that. Uh, Do you remember what you had?
2: Eggs and grits.
0: Eggs and grits. I like grits, too. How do you cook your grits? You like them regular, creamy, or al dente? Just regular, I guess. Regular. Instant grits? No self-respecting southerner uses instant grits. I take pride in my grits. So, Mr. Tipton, how could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I'm sorry, I was all the way over here, I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook, that's it? Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Oh, you, <laughs> objection, Your Honor.
3: Objection sustained. Are this you sure about that five minutes? No, the question. No.
0: Are you sure about that yeah, five minutes? I
3: don't know. I think you made your point.
0: Are you sure about that five minutes?
4: I may have been mistaken.
0: I got no more use for this guy.
4: Something to happen For a week or a month or a year With the blood in the ink of the headlines And the sound of the crowd in my ear You might ask what it takes to remember When you know that you've seen it before Where a government lies to a people And a country is drifting to war and There's a shadow on the face Of the men who sent the guns To the wars that are fought in places Where their business interest runs On the radio talk shows and the TV You hear one thing again and again How the USA stands for freedom And we come to the aid of a friend But who are the ones that we call our friends these governments killing their own. Or the people who find they can't take any more. And they pick up a gun, or a brick, or a stone. And there are lives in the balance. There are people under fire. There are children under
5: the care. There is blood on the wall Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that scene from My Cousin Vinny because we saw the inqu- the impeachment inquiry hearing start this week. And as I predicted, we had a lot of My Cousin Vinny moments, and I think we'll uh, see a lot, lot more of those. These people have been uh, testifying behind closed doors for the last month um, to, the, to the Democrats, and uh, little pieces of them have been, been let out when Adam Schiff wants him to be, and no one else is allowed to release anything. And then uh, this was the first time Wednesday that we got a chance to see them. And, of course, uh, that's the whole idea of cross-examination is you get to hear what they say the first time, and then you get to say, hey, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And what are your motives? And you get to hear the all the all all the different sides. And we're going to talk about that. In just a few minutes, in just a few minutes, and that's going to take up a a good part of the show because it's been a uh, pretty pretty uh, entertaining. And then that song was "Lives in the Balance" from uh, Jackson Brown, nineteen eighty six, which was actually a probably a Reagan anti war protest song, but it has a lot to do with what we're seeing today as the as the government and the media is striking a media campaign to BS us to blow smoke up our butts. To make us think something is happening that isn't, because they don't have any other—they don't have any other way to beat Trump, who's who's turned the turned the political establishment upside down in his non-conventional way of of uh, running the presidency and uh, and getting things done. And we can go all the way back to 1992 when Ross Perot was running, when we were saying, "Hey, you know what?" we need to run this government like a business because it is a business. We take in tax dollars and we spend it on things that the people need. And we need to stop all the corruption and all the skimming and all the, and all the, the wastefulness and, and make decisions based on, you know, if if we had our politicians making decisions like that money was theirs, it would be a very different story, be a very different story. But, uh, they just, they get in there and, and it, and it occurred to me a few years ago. I say, why does somebody spend a billion dollars to get a job that pays 400,000? Because you'd have to you'd have to sit in that sit in that uh sit in that office for what uh 20 years to break even, 22 years to break even and the and the job only lasts 4. So what else is going on? How come Barack Obama entered the uh entered the presidency with Hardly any net worth and came out with like 26 or 40 million, and today's worth 240 million. And uh, Hillary Clinton said that they came out of the White House broke and in debt, but they're sure not broke or in debt now. All they've done, oh, they came out of the White House and then she was a senator, so that pays pretty good. And then, uh, what else? And then she was secretary of state, that pays pretty good, but it pays less than the presidency. So how did they develop like two hundred and fifty gazillion dollars? I don't know. Just uh, makes me scratch my head. Anyway, we're going to talk all about that and the and the impeachment hearings. And if I got a little scratchy voice, uh, it's that time of year. It's that time of year. So I apologize. But anyway, before we go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and you need financing. Call me toll-free at 855 640 2020 That's 855 640 2020 One last time, day or night. Toll-free. Area code 855 640 2020 If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone, because it's so personal. And I want to make sure it's it's you know, it's it's clear for me to talk personal first. So let's do the cyber thing. Then go to edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo, and that'll take you to a page where you can put in all the information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, uh, Aaron Fredericks, Cody Bradbury, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're uh, looking to uh, buy a piece of property you don't already own, or you're looking to buy, a, or you're looking to refinance something you already own, or you're a senior over sixty-two years old. Thinking uh there's a lot of people talking about that reverse mortgage thing. I wonder if it's any good. Call me or at Hoffman.net, click on summit funding. We'll help you we'll help you dial it in. Rates are great. Rates are great, so it's a good time it's a good time to inquire. Um. If you hear any part of the show you want repeated, you can get the podcast on EdHoffman.net. Click on EdHoffman.net. Click on the uh, podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows, and you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can down, uh, where you can, where you can uh, subscribe for free. It'll download once a week automatically. To your uh, your your phone or your your iPhone or your Droid or your uh, iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad, or your maxi pad, um, and uh, or your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on. I had another one to add in there that my wife mentioned, but I forgot it. It was a good one too that I was going to throw in there. So anyway, uh, I'll do that next week after she says, "Hey, why did you put that in there?" Anyway, so uh, happy wife, happy life. I got to remember what that is. Um, let me see, uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to, if you want to leave me a comment on the show, email me at ed at net. the eight five five six four zero twenty twenty is for, uh, is for mortgages. And I still don't know what happened to my listener hotline. We switched over in phone systems and somehow we haven't figured out how to get that one back on. Uh, but I still own it. But anyway, I'll let you know when it's back up, been too busy with you guys calling about mortgages. Um, If you want to follow me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I uh, tweet about current events all week long. There was some big stuff that I didn't tweet about this week because it's too busy, too busy uh, with everything going on. And uh, the Facebook page is uh, Facebook.com, the main event, Ed Hoffman. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on this week. And before I get to the hearings, which will take up most of the show, let me talk a little bit about what's going on with the Democrat candidates. Uh, As if we didn't know. Um, just about how weak the crop of presidential candidates is. We have further proof as two more Democrats decided to enter the race this week. So let's see the first, the first, uh, uh, primaries in about 60 days. So, uh, this is a peculiar time to jump in the race. Um, but, uh, the first, the first, uh, candidate that jumped in this week is former New York city mayor, Michael Bloomberg, um, who's also a billionaire. He, uh, he hasn't actually made an announcement, but he's quietly filing papers to run in states that have deadlines approaching. Strangely, the only confirmation from Bloomberg's team is an advisor saying that they will not file for the primary in New Hampshire, and his spokesman had previously, previously said if Bloomberg decided to launch a 2020 bid, he would not run in the first four contests, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. Uh, and why bother running? I don't know. Um, I think we saw somebody try this in 2008 and uh, that was uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was the front runner in all the polls. But he decided instead of campaigning in Iowa, New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina, I don't think Nevada was in the first four um, in 2008, but uh, South Carolina was. Um, But instead of hitting the first four, he was just going to start in Florida, Florida, which was the, the next week. And on that week, on that week, well, it was a Super Tuesday, or it was, bef- or it was like had you had like three times as many delegates up for grabs as in the first four contests, and so he. But in those first four weeks of of campaigning, Giuliani was no longer in the news, so people just kind of go, okay, well Giuliani's not doing anything, and they forgot him out. By the time we got to Florida, he did a he did a not very good uh, not very good showing, and uh, hence he fell out. He fell out um, where he could have been our president. And quite frankly, I think he would have been a good one. So uh, um, Bloomberg has the support of some powerful New Yorkers, one of them being fellow billionaire Lee Cooperman, a Wall Street legend and hedge fund manager who happens to be Jewish. Uh, Why does that matter? Because everyone's favorite anti-Semitic congresswoman, Elon Omar, who's really not her name, uh, tweeted this out. So she uh there was a CNBC um CNBC tweet that said uh Leon Cooperman says he will support fellow billionaire Michael Bloomberg uh for president for president. And Elon Omar responded to it, I wonder why, with a hmm looking uh, emoji on there. And uh she's implying because they're both Jewish, obviously. So uh I don't know that I don't know that, that has I don't know that, that has any Uh, significance other than the fact that Elon Omar takes any opportunity as she can to be anti-Semitic and uh, criticize and be anti-Jewish earlier in the week MSNBC PMSNBC devoted airtime to uh, reminding viewers that Bloomberg was mayor when the NYPD started its stop and frisk practice
6: This is a policy that overwhelmingly put black boys, black men and black and Latino men in prison, which was seen as a as a civil rights violation. This is
7: a mayor that provided over an administration that stopped and frisked every black, Latino and poor person that they could.
0: This is a man who actually ran New York City kind of like an oligarch and ultimately supported and defended a stop and frisk policy that essentially mass incarcerated black and brown people i have three words stop and frisk that will be the thing that will be the problem for michael bloomberg he still defends his policy
8: of stop and frisk which impacted families like mine it was my cousins and my friends that were stopped on the new york city subway system and racially profiled and patted down
5: oh it's such a such a bad thing to racially profile things. Hey, you know what? Um, uh, think about the airlines, all the airlines in this, in this world, there's, uh, there's one airline that's never been hijacked. And, uh, and, um, uh, and why is that the the airline is LL airlines and they're, uh, they're, uh, from Israel. And why, why have they never been uh hijacked? Because they racially profile and they check everybody. And if, uh, and if you are look like a, a terrorist, they especially uh make sure that you don't get on or or you get thoroughly checked before you get on, and that kind of stuff works and yet stop and frisk stop and frisk result in the New York Police Department seizing about eight hundred illegal uh, weapons a year at the height of the program um which to me, if that was uh here in uh in the inland Empire you know 800 illegal weapons might be 800 uh, murders and what if it was two was it worth doing absolutely especially if uh, one of the one of the murders is a family family a family member of yours or anybody else any other good person that shouldn't be uh that shouldn't be uh dying because we don't take the time to enforce the laws uh here's what bloomberg him uh, himself has said about it
8: Today, we have fewer guns, fewer shootings, and fewer homicides. In fact, murders are 50% below the level they were 12 years ago when we came into office, something no one thought possible back then. There is just no question that Stop, Question, Frisk has saved countless lives. And we know that most of those lives saved, based on the statistics, have been black and Hispanic young men.
5: And of course, you know, we see what's going on. I mean, we don't we don't want to save any lives, as AOC points out. You know, it's her cousins and her her family members that were being stopped and frisked all this time. Uh, maybe because you know, uh, maybe they look like gangsters. Maybe they're maybe they're going around with hoodies up in the when it's hot outside. Um, to me, I tell you, hey, maybe this is a good fashion statement for young people. I think it's they don't want people to be able to see their face and. Uh, and that bothers me. That bothers me as well. Hey, I'm standing I'm standing waiting to use the ATM the other day and there's some kid, tall, skinny kid, um, playing with the ATM and doing his thing and he's got his hoodie up and it's about eighty degrees outside and I just and you know, he he walks away with no money and just kinda looks down at his looks down at his card and kinda walks away. I'm going, you know what, here's a guy who's probably hoping he could uh do something wrong with the machine, except for I walked up and, uh, and, uh, and maybe not, maybe it's, but you know what, that's the impression you get. And cops are supposed to be out there uh, enforcing the laws and, and, uh, you know, being uh, proactive when they see something, but this is, this is uh, okay, to this is okay to do. And so, Hey, you know what? Um, a friend of mine, one of my clients asked uh, who's actually been in law enforcement. He's thinking about retiring next year. Um, I told, you know, he's thinking about buying a house in Arizona and I said, Hey, go out there, see where you want to be, see, see what it's going to cost. Let's talk about whether we refinance your house now or whether we just hold off and, uh, buy a house or you buy a house and, and rent it till you retire next year, then 2021, or if you're going to retire sooner, let's talk about timing after you see what community you want to buy in, how much it's going to cost. And we'll, we'll orchestrate that way. He goes, and uh, he said he's going to go out there and check with the police department to see what areas he wants to avoid. And, uh, and then as we're getting on the phone, hey, if you ever need to be bailed out, keep, you know, keep, our, keep my number there. I'll take care of you if, you if you need to get bailed out. I said, you know, I have this system going that um, I don't break the laws. And if I get pulled over by a cop for speeding or something, which I do occasionally, um, uh, I just be respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Here's my license. Here's my here's my registration. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. And, you know, if I get pulled over for speeding, it's probably because about 25 other times I didn't. Um, And, you know, I'll pay my dues, whatever it is. And I just, you know, I grew up with parents that uh, I wasn't worried about the police uh, picking me up and taking me, taking, you know, taking me to jail or taking me home. I was more concerned about what my mom and dad would do um and that's just how how it was back then so uh anyway you look at what's going on in new york city now since de blasio's been in there and no stop and frisk and tells his black son that that uh you know he should he should watch out for the cops and do all this stuff and now we see now we see people dumping buckets of water on cops and uh dumping trash cans full of trash on the cop cars and doing all that stuff and uh this week i saw a police car stopped at a uh at a uh, gas station, and all these motorcycle guys were were uh, circling around him, intimidating with their mask and their and their helmets on, so no, he couldn't see who they were. You know what? These people are going to be sorry when no one signs up to be a cop anymore, and we don't have any law enforcement. So anyway, let's let's continue. The second second Democrat to launch their uh, launch their campaign this week. Uh, this late in the game was former Massachusetts governor Deval Patrick. Don't know much about Deval Patrick? Here's a few fun facts. Patrick was a governor from 2007 to 2015, succeeding Mitt Romney. Hi everyone. I'm Deval Patrick. I used to be governor of Massachusetts, but that's not where I started. I grew up on the South Side of Chicago. I lived there with my grandparents, my mother and sister in our grandparents'
7: two-bedroom tenement. Some of that time on welfare. I went to big, broken,
5: overcrowded public schools, and still my grandmother used to tell us we were not poor, just broke, because broke, she said, is temporary. And uh, poor is a state of mind. Yeah, that's uh, that's not just his grandmother. I heard that a million places. And uh, Deval Patrick, you know, he sounds kind of feminine, but I but I uh, Wikipedia didn't have him found out his husband's name, Diane. Uh, So I guess. Oh, I mean, his wife is named Diane. So I don't know if that says anything, but he just sounds a little little feminine. Uh, So, in fact, Patrick isn't broke at all anymore. He's known as a pro capitalist Democrat and he has another link into Romney a job at bain capital the the evil firm that mitt romney co-founded patrick joined the firm in 2015 just as he got out of uh, the governorship and worked there until until this week what a coincidence what a coincidence when a spokesman said he resigned so uh, isn't that convenient cuz uh, you know you're not going to win a democrat uh, primary if you're uh, if you're working at bain capital uh but be prepared to hear about this Deval Patrick fact a lot. He's been buddies with uh, Barack Obama way longer than Joe Biden.
2: The president and I were friends for, I don't know, 15 years before he was president. And Barack Obama did not try to talk Deval Patrick out of challenging his former vice president for the Democratic nomination.
5: Yeah, well, and Barack Obama has said he's not going to uh, endorse anybody. He said, well, that's apparently what. Uh, Biden said, and he's been pretty quiet. I think he's been pretty quiet because uh, all the, uh, all the, the, uh, the, what is it? The uh, inspector general's reports into the, uh, the, the origins of the Mueller report and all the stuff that that's bringing out. And now they've turned it into a, to a criminal inquiry. Um, I think, all that stuff with the steel dossier and the phony stuff at the at the FISA courts and the spying on the Trump campaign while he was president uh, before uh, Trump got elected and ever since then and after he got elected and all that stuff going on, I think it's going to roll up all the way to uh, the big Barack Hussein Obama as well. And I think uh, Obama's trying to keep a low profile. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but my opinion is... Uh, Comey Clapper brennan Susan rice the Loretta Lynch uh Biden, and all these guys are gonna end up on the in the hot seat, or else Hillary Clinton's gonna come to their uh and including Hillary and Bill Clinton, but um Hillary Clinton might come to the rescue and suicide some people so the witnesses can't testify. So we'll see. We'll see how that we'll see where that goes. And if you're not familiar with my uh, my Clinton casualty uh, link on my website at go to the Clinton casualties. I think there's a link to the radio show where I actually went over them as well as a written uh, report on it where you can see uh, hear the stories of uh, like 56 people that mis- mysteriously. Uh, died by suicide with shots in the back of their head. Um, I don't know how you do that. But, no, that's how it is. Um, So, anyway, um, I'm all out of time for uh, part one of the main event. So, uh, after uh, five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, I'm going to come back with everything about the impeachment inquiries from the beginning to the the end of the first day and even maybe a little start of what happened on Friday – um, which I'm recording on Friday and some, some cool stuff in there in the beginning of it that, that I'll play you if I can get through it all. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event Heard Weekends right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Welcome back to part 2 of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh real estate and financing on the on the show because I don't think you guys think it's interesting. But you guys are all calling me to talk about refinancing, reverse mortgages, different strategies, especially uh, those of you seniors are asking about reverse mortgages or strategies, strategies, financial strategies with uh with your assets. Um so keep keep the calls coming at 855-640-2020. I love uh I love helping you guys out. Um But if you're but if you are in the market, if you're in the market, rates are really, really good. They're about a percent lower than uh where they were a year ago. So and and think about this. Even if even if your rate is three and a half percent or three and a quarter percent from from 2017 and you've got a you got a FHA loan or you got a uh, 5% down or a 3% down or a 10% down, um, you still probably have mortgage insurance on that. So even if your rate doesn't go down significantly, we get rid of the mortgage insurance because the value has gone up. So uh, if you haven't at least asked, call me, 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. So uh, let's get into the uh, impeachment hearings which started this week. Um, Public impeachment hearing started this week with two witnesses. No one had heard of until recently testifying before the House Intelligence Committee on Wednesday. And uh, another one testifying as we record on the radio show Friday. So that would be uh, the uh, former ambassador to uh, Ukraine, Marie... So anyway, I'll see if I can get any, any uh, time to talk about her. So uh, much of what was said by ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor and the state department official, George Kent was already said in their lengthy depositions last week when they were in the closed door, uh, closed door, super secret uh, dungeon at the, at the Capitol uh, hearings that no one got to hear and no one got to talk at, but Adam Schiff. But since that happened, Adam Schiff's secret dungeon in the Capitol basement, this was the first time Republicans were allowed to question the two diplomats. And if you're watching mainstream media, all you're hearing about is how patriotic and amazing these two witnesses were. If you looked at the, heard the opening statements, oh, well, my father was this, and my grandfather was that, and my uncle, uncle Seymour was this, and uh, I have all, all my cousins who are this. this. Uh, you know, my dad was a mechanic, my mom was a mechanic, my brother was a mechanic, my uncle's a mechanic. Uh, so does that make you an expert? No. So anyway, uh, so they're talking about all the – so all they're talking about is how great these witnesses and what great public servants they are. But we're going to talk more about the Republican who brought all the truth out. We're going to talk about how when the Republicans got to ask questions, then all the truth came out. But first, kicking things off of the committee was committee chairman, Shifty Schiff, ready – I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille
1: now recognize myself to give an opening statement in the impeachment inquiry into Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. In 2014, Russia invaded the United States ally, Ukraine, to reverse that nation's embrace of the West and to fulfill Vladimir Putin's desire to rebuild a Russian empire. In the following years, 14,000 Ukrainians died as they battled superior Russian forces. Earlier this year, Vladimir Zelensky was elected president of Ukraine on a platform of ending the conflict and tackling corruption. He was a newcomer to politics and immediately sought to establish a relationship with Ukraine's most powerful patron, the United States. The questions presented by this impeachment inquiry are whether President Trump sought to exploit that ally's vulnerability and invite Ukraine's interference in our elections. Whether President Trump sought to condition official acts, such as a White House meeting or U.S. military assistance, on Ukraine's willingness to assist with two political investigations that would help his reelection campaign. And if President Trump did either, whether such an abuse of his power is compatible with the office of the presidency. The matter is as simple And as terrible as that.
5: Yeah, it is. Remember when uh, in that song at the beginning lies in the balance, how a government lies to its people? Um, This is what we're talking about. All this smoke and mirrors. Uh, But as ranking Republican, Devin Nunes delivered a statement to one that one actually contained the truth.
2: In a July open hearing of this committee following publication of the Mueller report, The Democrats engaged in a last-ditch effort to convince the American people that President Trump is a Russian agent. That hearing was the pitiful finale of a three-year-long operation by the Democrats, the corrupt media, and partisan bureaucrats to overturn the results of the 2016 election. After the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th, in which they spent years denouncing any Republican who ever shook hands with a Russian. On July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance is Republicans' dealings with Ukraine. In the blink of an eye, we're asked to simply forget about Democrats on this committee, falsely claiming they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russians. We should forget about them reading fabrications of Trump-Russia collusion from the Steele dossier into the congressional record. We should also forget about them trying to obtain nude pictures of Trump from Russian pranksters who pretended to be Ukrainian officials. We should forget about them leaking a false story to CNN While he was still testifying to our committee, claiming that Donald Trump Jr. was colluding with WikiLeaks. And forget about countless other deceptions, large and small, that make them the last people on earth with the credibility to hurl more preposterous accusations at their political opponents.
5: Yes, folks, don't forget about any of that stuff. Don't forget about any of that stuff because the younger generation who gets all their all their news from Facebook, is forgetting about all this stuff. So when Thanksgiving comes in uh, just under two weeks, you know, and you, hey, you don't want to talk about religion or politics, I suspect at our Thanksgiving dinner, that's all we'll be talking about is religion and politics. So, uh, but the younger people don't learn if we don't talk to them. So uh, let's hear some more from Devin Nunes.
2: But anyone familiar with the Democrats scorched earth war against President Trump would not be surprised to see all the typical signs that this is a carefully orchestrated media smear campaign. For example, after vowing publicly that impeachment requires bipartisan support, Democrats are pushing impeachment forward without the backing of a single Republican. The witnesses deemed suitable for television by the Democrats were put through a closed door audition process and a cult-like atmosphere in the basement of the Capitol where Democrats conducted secret depositions, released a flood of misleading and one-sided leaks, and later selectively released transcripts in a highly staged manner. Violating their own guidelines, Democrats repeatedly redacted from the transcripts the name of Alexander Chalupa, a contractor for the Democratic National Committee who worked with Ukrainian officials to collect dirt on the Trump campaign, which she provided to the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. Notably, they are trying to impeach the president for inquiring about Hunter Biden's activities. Yet they refuse our request to hear from Biden himself. The whistleblower was acknowledged to have a bias against President Trump and his attorney touted a coup against the president and called for his impeachment just weeks after the election. At a prior hearing, Democrats on this committee read out a purely fictitious rendition of the president's phone call with President Zelensky. They clearly found the real conversation to be insufficient for their impeachment narrative So they just made up a new one. And most egregiously, the staff of the Democrats on this committee had direct discussions with the whistleblower before his or her complaint was submitted to the Inspector General. Republicans can't get a full account of these contacts because Democrats broke their promise to have the whistleblower testify to this committee. Let's recall, for years they accused the Trump campaign of colluding with Russia when they themselves were colluding with Russia by funding and spreading the steel dossier, which relied on Russian sources. And now they accuse President Trump of malfeasance in Ukraine when they themselves are culpable. The Democrats cooperated in Ukrainian election meddling and they defend Hunter Biden's securing of a lavishly paid position with a corrupt Ukrainian company. All while his father served as vice president. Despite this hypocrisy, the Democrats are advancing their impeachment sham.
5: Yep, this is a this is all a big puppet show by the Democrats, and uh, with the aid of the mainstream media. So um, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, I'm I'm watching uh, Fox for a little bit for their opinions on the same thing I had opinions of. Uh, I wished I could have sat home and watched this whole thing and just tweeted out every time there was a comment on it but i have a job to do and so i go to work um and then i get the, you know i watch it early in the morning when it started um and uh i hear the i hear the reports from don who uh, who tells me the big stuff that's going on cuz she's watching it and then uh and then i watch on fox for a couple hours and then i said i'm going to switch over to cnn and msnbc and they had they looked like they had seen two diff two different uh hearings there but uh, let's talk about it. let's let's hear about the witnesses. Um, Taylor and Taylor and Kent George Kent and uh, and uh, Bill Taylor, William Taylor. Um, both parties had their own attorneys asking witnesses questions. The Republican counsel was Steve Castor uh, started by asking Bill Taylor uh, what President Zelensky told him about the big bad phone call with President Trump.
1: You were with President Zelensky the very next day? We were. We had a meeting with him the very next day. And
8: did President Zelensky raise any concerns about
1: his views of the call? He said uh, so. Right. So uh, I, Pastor Volker, Pastor Sondland were uh, in his office and we asked him, I think, how the call. He said call was fine. I, I was happy with the call.
5: Oh, man. He must have really put the screws to him. He must have put him put his uh, put his head in a vice and said, "Hey, if you don't do this investigation, we're not giving you no money." Um, oh no, he said. Uh, I was happy with it; went fine. Um, but Castor's exchange with uh, George Kent brought out some brought out the true corruption in this whole Ukraine story. So Castor asked Kent to explain the events that led to Hunter Biden joining Burisma board. He explained that Burisma CEO Mykola Zolchevsky. I hope I'm saying that right. Formerly part of the pro-Russian Ukrainian government was guilty of self-dealing and corruption. Zolchevsky then went on uh, went on to found Burisma, the largest private gas company in Ukraine. Kent uh, stated that in December 2014, a bribe was paid within Ukraine to make an investigation into Zolchevsky's crimes go away. So let's see. So somebody paid a bribe to get his crimes to go away. Then he went on, then Kent says uh George Kent says that the, he brought the the bribed official fled to fled Ukraine as the US president pressed uh Ukrainian officials to answer why the prosecutors closed the case. Right after the bribe was paid to shut down the investigation in two thousand fourteen, Zolchevsky invited a series of new prominent individuals to serve on his board. And I'm thinking that bribe is probably the the one that uh from the United States. I don't know. Um, so right after that, uh, page shut down. Zolchevsky invited a new series of prominent individuals to serve on his board. And that's where the story really takes off.
8: Okay. And who are some of the folks he added to the board? Uh, the most prominent person he added to the board was the former president of Poland, Alexander Kwasniewski. And anyone else? There were a number of others, including some Americans, and uh, the most prominent one in this context is Hunter Biden. Okay, so Hunter Biden's added to the board of Burisma. Now, do you think that creates a, a, a problem that Burisma may be adding people to its board for protection purposes? Uh, sir, I work for the government. I don't work in the corporate sector. And so I believe that companies build their boards, uh, with a variety of reasons, uh, not only to promote their business plans.
5: Yeah, I'm just a government worker. I really don't know much. I don't see much. I don't analyze much. I don't think much, but I'm the star witness. Uh, here's more of Steve Castor grilling George Kent. Was was
8: Hunter Biden a, a corporate governance expert? I have no idea what Hunter Biden studied at university or what his CV says. Like is he the, the Jeffrey Sonnenfeld of, of the Ukraine? Uh, I have no uh, awareness or knowledge of what his background was and what he may have done on the border. Okay, so you don't know whether he has any um, business experience in Ukraine prior to joining Brisbane's board? I, I've heard nothing about prior experience. Okay, and do you know if he speaks Ukrainian? I do not you know if he um, possesses any other element other than the fact that he is the son of, at the time, the sitting vice president? I do not.
5: But it doesn't end there. Kasser also uh, got Kent to talk about Joe Biden and admit that he saw a conflict of interest.
8: Now, at this time, Vice President Biden was taking a specific interest in Ukraine, wasn't he? He was. And could you tell us about that? I believe uh, while he was vice president, he made a total of six visits to Ukraine. One may have been during the old regime, Yanukovych, and that would make five visits after the Revolution of Dignity, which started February of 2014. Given Hunter Biden's role in Brisbane's board of directors, at some point you testified in your deposition that you expressed some concern to the vice president's office. Is that correct? That is correct. And what did they do about that concern that you expressed? Uh, I have no idea. I reported my concern to the office the vice president okay and that was the end of it that nobody sir you would have to ask people who worked in the office of vice president uh, during 2015 but after you expressed the concern of a a perceived conflict of interest at the least um, the vice president's engagement in ukraine didn't decrease did it correct because the vice president was promoting u.s policy objectives in ukraine and hunter biden's role on the board of burisma didn't cease did it uh, to the best of my knowledge, it didn't. And my concern was that there was uh, the possibility of a perception of a conflict of interest.
5: Yeah, you know, th- what sticks in my head is there's like, uh, I don't know, two or three hundred countries in this in on the globe. And uh, we have relationships with almost all of them. Biden made six trips to one little podunk country uh, in Asia that you uh, called Ukraine. Um, why all the attention to that one little country, one little corrupt little, uh, hotbed of a corruption country. Oh, could it be the million dollars a year they were paying his son to do nothing? He had to go to four meetings a year, although he didn't speak the language, so he wouldn't even understand what was going on there. Um, maybe that money was going to Hunter and he was splitting it with dad. Hmm. Could it be, but it doesn't end there. Uh, then finally, Republicans got to question the witnesses. I mean, not the, the Republicans' lawyer, Caster, but uh, the Republican, the actual uh, uh, representatives. Here's uh, Brad Winstrup of Ohio questioning Bill Taylor with an is- interesting idea about a famous Barack Obama moment in 2012.
3: In 2014, you, and I'm quoting this, urged Obama administration to provide lethal defensive weapons in order to deter further Russian aggression. Did the Obama administration provide lethal weapons? No, sir. They provided MREs and blankets and things like that. In your deposition, you also said President Obama's objection was because it might provoke the Russians. And in fact, you testified in your deposition that the Obama Obama administration didn't have a good argument since Russia had already provoked and they have invaded Ukraine. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. Maybe now we understand what President Obama meant when he told Russian President Medvedev that he'd have more flexibility after his election. Maybe that flexibility was to deny lethal aid to the Ukraine, allowing Russia to march right in and kill Ukrainians. Again, at your deposition, you urge the Obama administration officials to provide lethal defensive weapons to Ukraine in order to deter further Russian aggression. And now they have that under this administration, don't they, Mr Ambassador?
5: They have the javelins, yes sir. Hard to hard to make arguments with this stuff. I have to wonder why Barack Obama's being so quiet. I don't know. Here's here's Michael Turner also of Ohio asking Taylor Taylor Kent if they've ever met the president if they've ever met President Trump.
2: One example of that, Ambassador Taylor, is that you testified in your prior testimony that you have not had any contact with the President of the United States. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. Ms. Taylor, Mr. Kent, have you had any contact with the President of the United States? I have not. So not only no conversation with the President of the United States about Ukraine, you've not had any contact with the President of the United States, correct? That's correct. Okay. So you both know that this impeachment inquiry is about the President of the United States, don't you? I mean, the man that neither one of you have had any contact with, you're the first-up witnesses. I, I just find that a little amazing that that, that the first-up would be two people who've, uh, who've never had any contact with the president himself. Nope.
5: Yeah, and bringing it home, as always, is Congressman Jim Jordan. Now, Over the next few weeks, we're going to have more witnesses
7: like we've had today that the Democrats will parade in here, and they're all going to say this, so-and-so said such-and-such to so-and-so, and therefore... We got impeached the president. Actually, we can get more specific. We covered this a little bit ago. They'll say something like Ambassador Sondland said in his deposition, where he said Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmouk on September 1st, 2019 in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. And if you can follow that, that's the Democrats' plan and why they want to impeach the president. That's what we're going to hear over the next couple of weeks. That's what we're going to hear. But no matter what they do, no matter how many witnesses they bring in here, four facts will not change, have not changed, will never change. The call shows no linkage between dollars and the investigation into Burisma or the Bidens. President Trump and President Zelensky have both said on the call there was no linkage, there was no pressure, there was no pushing. Ukrainians didn't even know the aid was withheld at the time of the phone call, and most importantly, as has been pointed out, the Ukrainians didn't take any specific action relative to investigations to get the money released. Now there is one witness, one witness that they won't bring in front of us, they won't bring in front of the American people. And that's the guy who started it all, the whistleblower. Nope, 435 members of Congress, only one gets to know who that person is. Only one member of Congress has a staff that gets to talk to that person. The rest of us don't. Only Chairman Schiff knows who the whistleblower is. We don't. We will never get the chance. We will never get the chance to see the whistleblower raise his right hand, swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. We'll never get that chance. More importantly, the American people won't get that chance. This anonymous so-called whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge, who's biased against the president, who worked with Joe Biden, who is the reason we're all sitting here today, will never get a chance. To question that individual
5: let's hear a little bit more from jim jordan i said this last week but this is this
7: is a sad day this is a sad day for this country you think about what the democrats have put our nation through for the last three years started july of 2016 when they spied on two american citizens associated with the presidential campaign and all that unfolded with the mueller investigation after that and when that didn't work here we are based on this based on this is a The American people see through all this, they understand the facts support the president, they understand this process is unfair, and they see through the whole darn sham. With that, I yield back.
5: And then Thursday was the Democrats' day to spin the hearing. No one spun it better than Speaker Nancy Pelosi at her weekly press conference. As you know, Pelosi doesn't really speak, she rambles. Uh, with her mouth in her hands. And this week's presser was no exception. As she often, and she's trying to keep her dentures in, as she often says says these days, this whole impeachment thing was having her feeling very somber and prayerful.
6: It was a very somber, prayerful day. I thought it was a successful day for truth. Truth coming from the president's men, people he appointed, a person that he appointed most recently to the um State Department, uh, again, none of us has come to Congress to impeach a president. We come here to do the work of the American people to make the future better for them to try to do so in the most bipartisan way possible. Find our common ground where we can, stand our ground where we cannot.
5: Do the work of the American people. I haven't seen the, the Congress do anything for three years except for work on getting rid of Donald Trump because they don't want their money tree to go away. Um, Next, Nancy seemed to be describing an entirely different hearing than the one the rest of us uh, were watching.
6: The devastating testimony corroborated evidence of bribery uncovered in the inquiry and that the president abused power and violated his oath by threatening to withhold military aid and a White House meeting in exchange for an investigation into his political rival. A clear attempt to the president to give himself the advantage in the 2020 election. Doing so, as I've said to the president, jeopardize our national security, undermine our national security, jeopardize the integrity of our electoral system, violate your oath of office.
5: Yaddy, yadi 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 she did take one question from one reporter named Cheryl who asked her about the republicans saying uh, that everything's first uh, was nothing first hand it was second hand third hand and uh and this is how nancy uh, answered it
6: Cheryl 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 don't fall into the second hand stuff really that is such a fraudulent uh, uh, proposition put forth by the republicans that is such a fraudulent proposition And and they know it, and that's why they're talking about process rather than the substance of what we have heard. I just won't even uh, dignify what they're saying in that regard. I just won't.
5: She won't dignify it because she didn't have an answer to it. Anyway, hey, we'll talk about the the second day and all of next week next week, but I'm all out of time for this episode of The Main Event. So my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to The Main Event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The
7: opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal housing
5: opportunity. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to, they're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise, with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 and listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590,
7: The Answer. NMLS ID number California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch MLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, MLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, equal housing opportunity.
1: AM 590, The Answer.